Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right. Welcome to the Mobile Syrup Syrupcast, where we do it for the pod with all the Canadian mobile news you can handle. I'm Douglas Saltis, your host this week. Daniel Bader is gallivanting in New York, um, so it's just myself and Jane McIntaggart here holding it down. What's going on, Jane? Not much. How about you? How's it going? Uh, it's, uh, I'm, I'm very tired, Jane. I'm very tired. tired. It's been a busy week. It has um, been a busy with, week. Without Daniel, yeah, uh, we've been working hard. We work hard yeah. at Mobile Syrup and for the Syrupcast for our readers and our audience, and I, without Daniel here... Um, I think this podcast is going to be an interesting experiment. Uh, it's going to be more profane, less insightful, more fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. Uh, I thought you were going to go down the road of it won't be the same with Adam, and it won't. Yeah, and that's a good thing. We're, we're taking <sighs> over, Bader. So harsh. Well, I drink your milkshake. <laughs> you're not even uh, drinking but I think, I think You're doing this pod sober. Drink. You're doing sober host duty, even though Daniel rarely sober. does sober host duty. <laughs> Uh yeah I I I did all my pre drinking last night last night so there's no there's no need to be uh, uh Jamesons Jamesons no, Jemison no apostrophe s okay. Jemison anyway okay well, anyway we gotta get down to it it's probably good that Daniel's not here because we're just gonna rehash <laughs> everything that he worked on this week the big story hey Canada BlackBerry it's a company it still exists. It's releasing... I feel like we say that every week. We're like, BlackBerry still exists. It's like, yeah. But this, this time we mean it. They have new phones. A new phone. Solid for, wound. For yeah. One, one phone. Just the one. And a... Well, a tease of a second one. We have the, we have the BlackBerry Passport mm-hmm. announced this week and then the classic teased um, at, the, at the end of the event and coming later this year. As well as a, a, a one more thing, kind of mic drop, uh, BlackBerry Blend, uh, oh. which... Is probably more important to uh, BlackBerry's future revenue than mm. the Passport will be. But um, I, I think maybe let's start let's start with the with the Passport because it is um, yeah. so big, so vibrant, so cool. Um, apparently, it's selling out on uh, Shop BlackBerry. Although that could be like fifty devices, but people people are excited about this phone. People are excited. We've been excited. We are super excited. It's weird. Yeah. So. We we were at the uh, event in person, uh, Daniel and I, and then you were I think watching from the live stream, holding it down at the office. Yep. What was your opinion of the event? Um, it's weird because I'm in I'm I'm in this super awesome um, BBM group with a few few mobile syrup readers, but also a whole ton of just like diehard BlackBerry fans, and they were watching the the, the live stream too, and they were so excited, like crazy excited. So that was my perspective too. It was like a unique perspective. So I wasn't really watching kind of with the usual Twitter feed of like Snark. cynics and yeah, and just like bitchy comments. I was like, 
they, I mean, they, they even they were able to help themselves when, when John Chen was like, he was like super nervous and like making his, his lame jokes and Wayne Gretzky was like flubbing his line. But like they were just, yeah, they're just really excited and a lot of them were like, I'm going to go ahead and buy it straight away. Like, I, I want this phone. And they're now they're talking about their pre-orders and when it's going to ship and oh my god, they're holding my shipment, I don't know why, that kind of stuff. So it's kind of like a little world of like iPhone launch and I think that's really representative of what the Passport is because I think when when I spent time with it, I basically decided straight away is if you love BlackBerry already, like if you have a BlackBerry and you, and you wouldn't think of changing, you would love this phone. Like regardless of form factor, whether or not it's too big for you, you'll be like, this is an amazing phone, it's, it's gorgeous. But um, if you're not, it's not going to make a BlackBerry user out of you. Okay, let's dig into that because it, it definitely was one of the, the best events that BlackBerry's ever run in terms of, you know, Having having Chen at the helm, having him be the face and the speaker, is is a lot better than past options. Um, they actually had a, a an exciting device, a device with a story, a device that's trying to do something that you know can can draw that excitement. So I get yeah. you know we had people asking whether or not they can get it in white, um, all that interest. But what you just said there about uh, this being an exciting device, if, like if you already love BlackBerry, uh, that this is the a device that people would be interested in, and that's. That's concerning to me because they're obviously targeting Android and iOS users with this, and the so much time was spent in the um, the presentation demonstrating how the Passport, specifically at a device, could allow productivity workers who have moved away from BlackBerry to come back and get get more done with this device. So yeah, but that's still not them targeting Android and iOS users. That's them targeting diehard BlackBerry fans who are forced forced away from their their operating system of choice, and because they didn't have the apps they wanted. So I okay, feel so like they're kind of they're they're still fishing in a very shallow pond. Like it's 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 easy pickings to say that we're going after people who love BlackBerry so much, but just for one reason or another moved away. I don't think they're going so to take someone who's BlackBerry. what. Closeted BlackBerry users. Yeah, now people, on. not even that, but just people, yeah, like reformed BlackBerry users who aren't exactly, who still miss it, I guess. Okay, I wouldn't consider those people BlackBerry users because they're not using Blackberries, but I, I understand the uh, point. They're, like they're, trying to, they're trying to appeal to the the herd that they once owned, right? Yeah. Um, now, is, with that, though, I, I don't understand, with so much time spent on the Passport, why there seems to be this consumer... Or the continued interest and the the teasing of this device, the the classic which Chen had on him, yeah. uh, he teased that he was going to show it. He ended up um, kind of just waving it around at the end. It seems to be you know it was a, a focus of a lot of the media questions during the Q and A after uh, the the kind of keynote. Uh, and I I just don't get when first I don't get why when you're having an event to launch this new piece of hardware which is you know, strikingly new for the industry, um, as much as is a return to what you've been good at in the past, that you would then undercut that with a device that is literally the bold 9900. Yeah. With BlackBerry 10. And I I don't understand why that is interesting to anyone because... But don't you understand that's that's what... that's the road they're trying to get out of, which is sad, because like you said, I think it was a big misstep as well to, to kind of whip it out and be like, oh, look, and then everyone, like you said, like the Q&A then, everyone just focused on that, which is, I think it's super sad, because they spent months teasing this phone. I think it's really representative of what BlackBerry is, which is 
people just, yeah, like, that, there's a reason that Bold was such a popular device. Like, it's so utilitarian, it gets the job done, and I think it's really sad for BlackBerry when they're obviously trying to branch out and they're obviously trying to bring something new that, even if they don't realize it, they're still falling back on, like, the crowd pleaser. Mm-hmm. And as soon as it's, it's kind of like that band that, like, their new album is so much better than their old album, and they go to their show, they're playing all their all their new stuff, and everyone's like, oh, this is pretty cool. And then they play, like, one bar of that old song, and everyone goes, like, batshit insane, and it's like... Play the hits. It's sad. Yeah, play the it's like... Play, yeah. Okay, so it's exactly like that scenario, except for no one bought the Q10. <laughs> Nobody's been buying this device that they keep trying to remake over and over. Oh, they're just and trying to get it right, pal. They're just trying to get it right. No, the customers that they have that are still using... 8700s corporate customers that they're just trying to keep on um, on on the on BlackBerry ecosystem and, and get them on Bez uh, 10 and then Bez 12 installs. They're not gonna they're not gonna like just because it has dedicated call buttons and a trackpad. They're not gonna like BlackBerry 10. BlackBerry 10 isn't an OS to be to be used with uh, a trackpad. It was designed to eliminate all of that. Even when they add a keyboard. Like it's it's a keyboard with as few keys as humanly possible. I it's I don't even think it's gonna be a good device, let alone really? uh, something that people want. Yeah, because oh, it's. Oh, I so I so want to be around you when you use that phone for the first time and when you like touch it with your hands. Why like, I've I've been I've been touching BlackBerry devices. For... No, because I just think I just think it's interesting. That you've already decided you're like it's not gonna be a good experience, and I'm like. Hmm. Well, so. You know the. I think the the context to this, and if you haven't checked it out yet, please read my Black BlackBerry retrospective, where I took a look at all the the input design choices yes, that they've made. Yes, it is awesome. The first BlackBerry. It is amazing. Well, even if it's it's I it's it is what it is, but it's very long, so I put time into it. So please <laughs> post it. No, it's very good, and also the the yeah, no, it's it's very good, and the design is good too. Yeah, but the context here is that the, the worst devices that BlackBerry has made are the ones in which they try to do everything instead of one thing really, really well. Oh. And not even everything in the sense is like this is going to be something for everyone, but in a sense that like we just put all the things on this phone. Yeah, and, and we don't know how they work together. Brings us so handily to this god awful Android Band-Aid that they have in place, which is just the worst. Like yes. Okay, so and then this was a major uh, component of of Daniel's review the right. issue where they've they've now basically gutted um, their own BlackBerry development group and they're now focusing more on partnerships. So it was interesting that during the keynote uh, they had a representative from Amazon on the stage and he actually talked about Amazon's developer tools uh, more than BlackBerry. Like BlackBerry didn't even mention <laughs> their own developer tools. They're like, hey, we have the Amazon App Store now. But the, the way that it functions is it's literally the store on the device, and uh, you're actually installing Amazon apps, but they're not integrated into the BlackBerry 10 OS, so there's certain issues where... Yeah, and it's um, awful. Yeah, well, it's not, it's not awful. It's, 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 it's a hack. Anything you, need, like, anything you need a notification for, it's crap. Like, it's, the problem yes. is, is that, that we... Because that, Daniel and I spent a lot of time like looking at the BlackBerry password and like just like tossing ideas back and forth in the office about it, and like... And it was genuinely, I think it was, it was definitely a back and forth in that we definitely used each other to kind of say, like, what is, what's great about this device and what's wrong with this device? And, and I think we, we learned a lot during those, during those talks. But one of the things that we both focused on was that if you, if you want to get, you know, timely notifications, 
BlackBerry has you covered. Like, if you want the hub and if you want if you want that little red light to blink when it's supposed to blink, then you should definitely use the BlackBerry version of that app. But if you want the app itself to be a pleasant experience, if you want if you want to not be tearing your hair out looking at something that's like you know poorly scaled or ugly, then I don't know. It's just I feel like this when you're in the Android app, it's nicer, and then when you're in the BlackBerry app, you're like, this is just icky. But the problem is, is that the BlackBerry app gives you the, bre- the better passive experience when you're not using the app, which is it kind of comes down to like what's more important to you, the the feeling that you have and the experience that you have when you use the app itself, or what the app does when you're not looking. Yeah. So let, let's let's break that down even finer because I think you know there's been a, there's been a lot of uproar um, for that review and 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 what the relationship between is an OS between an OS and the things that an OS runs. So yeah. one of the best components uh, to BlackBerry 10, and one of the best arguments that BlackBerry can make for why people should use their devices is something like the Hub, which is this in- integrated communication. Oh, it's fabulous! Space. Like I love it. But to not have applications um, in their ecosystem that that run and utilize that means that you're you're adding something to get apps to your to to get people to use your devices more. But the apps that you're giving them are ones that don't not only don't um, take advantage of your platform benefits, but make the experience less than if they, someone had used the exact same app on Android. Um, exactly. And this is something that came up, uh, we were talking yesterday at the Passport event, where the, with the, the Passport's keyboard as well, which is a touch-enabled keyboard, um, which allows a whole new opportunity for just, um, just inputs, controls. We were spitballing, like, what happens when like games start using the touch-enabled keyboard to do things, so you don't have to take up screen space or, or touch yeah. it there. But it's it's only it can only be used by predominantly the first-party BlackBerry apps. So third-party applications don't get the touch-enabled keyboard. It's not it's not a component because they haven't opened it up. So you you yeah. always have this situation where like, okay, I'm using a BlackBerry phone. But what part of the BlackBerry phone am I using? Like, what experience am I? It's not consistent throughout. Mm. Um, so when I when I say that I'm pretty sure that the classic is going to be a disaster, it's that's a hardware example of them making the same kludge like decisions where they're where they're sticking mm. things together. And it's hard too because like BlackBerry is one company that I feel is not afraid to take risks. Like they have done some super interesting things with hardware over the years. Like. Do you remember the storm with like it was like the giant clickable touchscreen that I like do the entire the storm. yeah and like that was such a such a, like a unique and like off the wall idea and like they just went for it and they were like this is the best thing since sliced bread like, you should buy it and then I think it's there there are very few companies out there that are willing to take those risks but it seems like the storm is an exception because it didn't last very long but it seems like they tend to take these risks and then they just roll with them and then they're like sometimes they just don't know when to drop the bone and be like, it's not working out. Okay, so you just exa- articulated the best side and the worst side of BlackBerry in the sense that they will do something new. They will have an mm-hmm. off-the-wall idea, and then they won't take it all the way. The reason why the Storm was terrible, other than the fact that it was an extremely rushed device, mm. shortest development time, completely buggy OS, is that they built a, a, a touchscreen device running an OS that it in no way been designed for anything other than a scroll wheel or a scroll ball as the input mechanism. 
It wasn't. It wasn't. But a there touch. were so was... many things wrong with the storm, even just from a phone point of view. Like I, I wanted that phone so badly, and it came out, and I was like, no, that's. I'm never buying that phone. Like I, it was rumored, and I was like, yeah, I'm gonna buy it. It's gonna be the first BlackBerry device I buy. And then it came out, and I was like, oh crap, it looks like shit. Like it just looks awful. And then I, I had a friend who bought it, and even the Wi-Fi, he had like it was like boogie as crap. Like even when you move away from just like the OS, just yeah, it was just rushed, and it was just a bad experience all around. But, okay, so we we spent a lot of time talking about hardware, and I want to get back to the software, because, you know, for as, for as much as the, the event yesterday was a, a Passport event, BlackBerry is now an enterprise services company, again, <laughs> um, and they're services that aren't necessarily tied to uh, or, or based from devices. They're services enabled by devices. So I thought the announcement of BlackBerry Blend was much was very important uh, right. to kind of where BlackBerry is going to fall. Um, and, and something that even if you're not a BlackBerry hardware user can, can help convince you to be in their ecosystem. Because it, it, looks, it actually looks really, really compelling for, for anyone who works in a, in a corporate environment. Yeah. Who it's a very compelling idea, easy... yeah. Yeah, well, it's a compelling idea, and what, what did you think from just the demo that they gave of just the, the execution of that idea? Because I think with, with enterprise stuff, a lot of it's in the details. Right, for sure. I think, I don't know, it's... I think, again, it's, it's one of those things where it's like they could have used, like, it's the software solution to a problem that a lot of people try and, and solve with hardware. Like, they could have easily been like, oh, we're going to make the product to be tablet so that you can do all of these things on a larger device. When I think it's one of the things where... It, it makes... Oh, there's your sirens. Yeah, I'm sirened out. Keep talking. Uh, I think it's one of those things where it demonstrates that they... that BlackBerry, even though they, they tend to make a lot of mistakes, do... There's smart people working there. And I don't know. I think it's it was it was billed as a one more thing, and I think, like you said, it was... I think it deserved almost its own event because it was just... It's super interesting, I think. But I, I, I want to see more. I want to I wanna see it. I don't. I don't think I can. It's fair to judge the demo. Yeah, I. Because you were I, there. I, what was so, the reaction like? Uh, I think it, at first everyone's like, "Oh man, this thing's still going." Um, and I think <laughs> uh, that's Honk. that's the CRTC coming for us, telling us that we've been talking about BlackBerry too long. No, um, <laughs> it's. I think it's a situation where you know the reason why that event was still going is because to demonstrate the features, even in 10.3 level BlackBerry Blend. You have to you have to take which is so hard to say BlackBerry Blend. You have to you have to take each use case and walk a person through yeah. the individual ways. You can't just say, "Hey, we've added optical image stabilization to this." It's not it's it's, it's, not, it's yeah. some, you have to walk through the experience or let someone experience it themselves for them to see it. So for for that for that to be a tack on, um, yeah, it's so I, weird, right? I thought it was weird. I thought it was also weird that he said that the. Added at an event for the flagship device that you're releasing, that the it will then be outsold by another device that hasn't been announced or released. <laughs> like it's 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 almost as if they're this is the very last stage of a transition away from uh, what they were before. Whereas they were a service. What do you they think they were before? Like, like what do you what do you mean? Like where do you think they're going? Okay, so the, the way you can look at this is that BlackBerry has always been an enterprise services company. Right. Um, just, yeah, of course. Previously, those enterprise services were all contained in and enabled by the specific device that they sold. 
even when they sold hardware, the big deal wasn't, uh, they didn't make their money off the hardware sale. They made their money off the services re revenue through biz and bez that they yes. got through BlackBerry devices. Now, with fewer people wanting BlackBerry devices, or only a smaller segment because there's... It's, it's twofold, though, because it's fewer people wanting them, but also a huge surge in the support for bring your own device and for basically devices that aren't BlackBerry. So it's that they're, they're fighting two problems. is One, that people have more choice, and two, that... People now that they have that choice are like, oh well, maybe I'll go that direction. Yes. Instead. So, so the, the the services then that they're now presenting have to function on all devices. So you see with Blend, mm -hmm. it's it's really it's a it's a cloud enterprise drive for um, all your work information on any device that you want. It's it's that connector. BlackBerry Assistant is something that manages uh, your personal and your professional in a in a really smart way. Uh, Bez. 12 is something that allows IT admins to manage a multitude of devices across all ITs. The cloud business services that they're going to be releasing are similar to that. They're not, they might be um, interacted with through a mobile device, but it's not mobile device based anymore. So, but I, the problem with that is when you think of, you know, Blackberry is like Kleenex. When you think of them, you think of that, that product, the hardware. Yeah. So you invite a bunch of people to, to come check out the new company and then they, all they want to see and hear about is the phone. And the new phone is cool, it's got a cool, like, great identity, a, a beautiful design, it's very interesting, very engaging, um, but it's, it's, not, it's, not the, it's not the thing that's going to move the business forward. And no. it might be just them having to get used to the fact that, you know, they're going to be really, really boring and that's how they're going to make money. They're, yeah, it's not and that's, the, why, that's why I feel you hit it like, on the head, it's like, I feel like they're concentrating so much on making that device that makes a splash. Making that, like, flagship, like, this is what they're known for. And I think, they, yeah, they just need to be, like, you know, some, like, they have that, that job of someone's got to do it. And the reason someone's going to do it is because it's super important and everybody needs it. And they're, I think at this point they're just taking, they're, by trying to do it all, they're taking focus off what they're actually good at and what people actually value them for, what they need them for, which is services like Lend. Yeah. Like, it's, well, yeah. And that's why I say that it's in mid-transition because I feel a lot of a lot of the reason that why they were posting about the passport, you know, every day on their corporate blogs before it was announced and things is this because in a position where they need to generate revenue and where they're not a major player anymore, they do have to bang the drum to get attention. But I also think that in doing that, there's uh, some some blowback in that the attention that you're raising isn't necessarily on the thing, the message that you really need to get through. Now, obviously, this is a major precedent. You think, like, do you think that's on purpose? you think it could be they're like, you know, this is a crazy phone, it's a crazy piece of hardware, it's new, it's exciting, innovative. you think they know deep down that basically they're saying, like, we're the boring guy with the boring stuff that everybody needs. But to get people to pay attention to the boring guy with the boring stuff that everybody needs, but nobody really wants to talk about it, they just want him to be there. They need to come up with something exciting to get people in the door. It's like those door boosters that people have on Boxing Day. It's like you need something to get people there so that you can talk about it. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. Listen. I don't think. Well, to put it this way, I'll I'll, I'll restructure it. I, th I don't think Chen cares about hardware at all. Um, yeah. I think. He cares so do you about think that exactly? So do you think it was a case of he was like, let's just make something that people will talk about it so that people are talking, and then once people start talking, then we will give them something to listen to. No, I think he's I think he's saying let's make the things that our customers want and and need. And they really, really need these services that we have. Right. Some of them want to use that on a Blackberry device. So we'll keep making those. 
but uh, it's it's. I don't think that they would they wouldn't do something weird and crazy. Just they're not Homer Simpson outside in the street with a shotgun saying bowling. <laughs> like <laughs> it's not it's not that level. But there you know just there is a great a idea. Why, you know there's a reason why the classic exists. There's you know it's it's because when Chen's been around for ten months and mm. the first thing that he did was Segway. go around and talk to all the customers. Yep. Segway. Let's talk about Chen. Let's yeah, talk so, about Chen, baby. <laughs> Sorry. No, no. I'll see. I, I'm I, for anyone who's stuck with this. Uh, hey. Spot, I thank you so. No. I thought um, it was anyone who's stuck with Jane on a long-term basis, and I was like, "Fuck no. you, pal." There we go. More <laughs> profanity, less insight. Just more, like more. So, so John Ten, John Chen, ten months in. Um, I've been very impressed, not only in what he isn't. Yeah. Um, or in, in the difference between previous CEOs. But then also in what he's been able to do. So, uh, what what as a as an outsider who hasn't you know been living and breathing BlackBerry as much as maybe I have. Yeah. What what have been your? Well, um, that's interesting because you're like you want to know what I think, and I'm like, no, tell me tell me what it's like to live in that house. So I'm like, you know the way. It's like, I feel like it's almost like kind of like a divorced parent situation where, like. At, at the end of the day, you come in, you're like, this child just needs routine. This child needs, like, a solid structure, and, like, they just... And I feel like Chen is... Kind of comes in, and like we were talking before about how, like, the boring stuff is what's going to make the money. And he kind of comes in, and he's like, let's... Let's just do what we're good at. And he kind of, yeah, he kind of, like, lays down the law. He's going to the bathroom. <laughs> Um, oh no, he's not. He's gonna plug his laptop in. Sorry, false alarm. Um, you know, I think it's like he's providing the routine, and it's kind of. I think BlackBerry suffered so much from having such a varied leadership, and part of that was because they had um, the video in point uh, for a long time, actually. But um, yeah, I'm just talking to talk because it's really disconcerting to talk to nothing. Here we go. He's back. Sorry, did anyone notice that I went to go and plug my laptop? I told him you were going to the bathroom because I didn't see your message until you actually got up and ran away. Oh, really? Wow, that was so um, No, but I think basically so well. he's introducing like a certain amount of stability that that BlackBerry needs. And I think when you have had so many so much varied leadership and you went from two CEOs to one CEO and that CEO wasn't so hot. So I think yeah, he's just kind of the the boring but stable parent who comes in and says, yo, like, got to get up every morning, go to school, do your homework, eat your greens. <laughs> yeah, we got we to gotta work hard and be ready. And I, but So I think the thing there is, regardless of the, I'm not going to say that any of the previous CEOs were anything less than professional, because I, I don't believe that was the case. I think no, there's I a situation professional, where, but just the wrong fit. The wrong, well, because Chen is able, Chen, Chen doesn't have that, um, legacy commitment to the company, and he also is able to bring in, he's also able to grasp an identity, and, uh, you know, just in talking with some of the BlackBerry employees yesterday, they just talk about his ability to really focus in, and mm. even even with his jokes, which I, I thought were uh, enjoyable, and you didn't... I didn't, I didn't think they were enjoyable, I just said that his delivery needs work. Okay. Well, you can he can workshop that at uh, the comedy cellar, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's a situation where he's not saying anything that he he's he's always saying what he means. He's he's right. always very very clear. Uh, he chooses his words carefully. Yeah, uh, but it's interesting you say that he doesn't have like a legacy 
almost a legacy responsibility to BlackBerry. I think that's so important because, yeah, I think in that sense it's almost easier to come in when the company is kind of in dire straits because then you kind of have a free pass. Like no one's going to criticize you for making bold moves or making big moves. Whereas if you come in when the company is just kind of okay and you try making huge change, people are going to be like, whoa, 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 like things aren't so bad, like you don't need to do that. But he's coming at a stage where everybody recognizes that BlackBerry needs to haul ass and do something, do something about their situation. And I think that he's lucky in that sense that he's not, that's what, part of the reason no one's questioning his actions and no one's, no one's second-guessing him because they're like, hey, you know, you do what you got to do, buddy. Well, he's coming in at a stage certainly when the company was looking for leadership and I think he's been able to provide that and even exactly. just you know he said you know one of the when talking about there isn't this there isn't this feeling of we got along just fine without you because they didn't so he comes in at a point where everyone's saying please show us the way like yeah well no but go from here what what he said though with the with the passport though was that uh, the the best decision that he made like the only decision that he made with the passport his only piece of involvement was not killing it this was the work of the people already at the company it, but it was his job to yeah. uh, shepherd that to to bring it home um, and and you know that's you know not doing things as important as doing things in these certain situations but I I think there there's nothing more that we can say about BlackBerry this week. Um, I think they, Bez 12 is coming out in late October, early November. Um, there might be some BBM news uh, coming up after that, so we'll, we'll keep checking in. In terms of the, the Amazon App Store issue on um, BlackBerry 10.3, I, I've heard that uh, a point release 10.3.1 will provide um, a, a fix to that, like a better integration. So if they can do that, yeah. that's great. We're looking to talk to Peter Ng, who's kind of the, the new director, I want to say director of Global Alliances, but he's the guy uh, playing connector in the situation between BlackBerry and the, the app ecosystem that they need to borrow. So we're, we're hoping to sit down and talk with him. But that, that's enough BlackBerry for... We've hit our Canadian... Oh, I could talk all week about BlackBerry. <laughs> um, but why would we spend more time talking about BlackBerry when we have a bunch of really great uh, non-BlackBerry related mobile news uh, around you. some of the dumbest <laughs> okay this, file this under uh, stupid human tricks but uh, Jane did you know that the iPhone 6 Plus can bend if you try to bend it? I did know that and what one of the most exciting things about this for me was that because I guess there's not a lot of women in the tech industry, so I feel the effects of kind of the, the kind of people who, who are reading the blogs every single day versus like the people who don't do that. I feel like I feel it more because when I talk to my female friends, like it's just just none of them do it. So I met up with a friend of mine yesterday and she was like, Oh my god, did you hear that the new iPhone bends? And I was like, There is no way that she should know this information this quickly. Like usually the trickle down for this kind of information is, is so much slower. But everybody's talking about it, despite the fact that Apple is insisting that only nine people have actually complained. Yeah, and I think, you know, um, on, on the way to the Passport event yesterday morning, I, I can't remember who it was, but another tech blogger was like, yeah, I just tried to do the bend test on the Xperia Z2, and it, it, it bent in like two seconds. The way he's like, if you try to bend something, it's going to bend. The, what's, this, take... what's the panel size on the Xperia Z2? Uh, Daniel is here. He would call in that mind of his and tell us extremely quickly yeah. what it is. Yeah. Um, five point two. 
Yeah. So how many is the product? So 5.5 on the plus, right? So 6 plus? Yeah, if you take a big, wide aluminum device, put it in your pocket, and sit on it, chances are something might happen to that. This is such I don't a... think they're sitting on it. I think it's going in the front pocket of, like, tight jeans, and then you sit down, and you bend, like, your legs come up, your waist, like, it's, like, you, you basically go from vertical to right angle, and your phone feels the effects. I don't think you're sitting on it. Well, if, if, if you're sitting down with a 5.5-inch device in your front pocket, that's another issue. But I, I don't, this isn't, I don't, I don't think this is a, an antenna gate. So, as you said, um, Apple has come out, released a statement, um, basically saying, piss off, our devices are great. Let me uh Because they it. did an antenna gate, too, though. Even though well, that, was, that was an antenna gate, and they were like, piss off, our devices are great. That wasn't necessarily Hold a public... it different. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they, they said, um, the new iPhones feature steel titanium inserts to reinforce uh, stress locations and use the strongest glass in the industry. So basically, like, we'll... we'll we're doing our best. Leave us alone. Yeah, like... We're not going to change the production of the iPhone just because nine people complained. I feel like it has to be more than nine. Well, no, it's, so, but I think a lot of the conversation around people sharing the news about someone posting a video of a bent iPhone rather than... Um, like, the, the Attenigate with the, the iPhone 4, which was uh, an issue with the... Basically, they put the, the radio bands on the outside of the device. So if you right. um, held the device in a certain way... Um, you'd, you'd screw with the uh, radio connection and it, yeah. the service would drop. Um, with, with this, this is a situation where, um, and it's interesting that your friends kind of like outside the industry came to you about it, where I think people are just, we're in an industry, we're in, we're in an age of content and content machines, and if there's no content there, it has to be made. And this is just people like, hey, are you basically saying this is a storm in a teacup? Like people are making a mountain out of a molehill. Yes, I think it's I think it's total BS, and I think the only reason if oh, this was another device, yeah, I think I think people are writing this story, or I think this story exists because if someone says something about the iPhone, which is a device that people care about, it'll get coverage. I don't think this is an issue at all. I don't think it's I don't think it's a okay. I think it's a massive stretch to say it's not an issue at all. Um, well, I, or the, I don't know if it's an I don't know if it's an issue yet or not. The thing is, I'm also I'm I'm also a girl, and for some god unknown reason that belongs in a completely different podcast and a completely different website. Yeah. Clothing makers make the pockets on my clothes. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, thirty six percent better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Get a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/work. Shopify.com/work. It was very very small, so I haven't put a cell phone in a pocket in a very long time. So I think it's an for me. I'm like it's an issue. Like, how would you even notice that that happens? But I think that if this is something that's going to happen to a lot of people, then it's not a non-issue. It's not a storm in a teacup. I think no, it's total BS. <laughs> it's like, I disagree it's completely. Okay. Um, uh, this, well, this does bring us to the next point of Apple releasing that botched iOS 8 update. 
Yes. So uh, if you haven't heard already, and you probably can't anymore because they rolled it back, but... Uh, you can't update... anymore because your phone's broken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, updating the iPhone 6 and the 6 Plus to iOS 8.0.1 uh, basically killed your cellular service and Touch ID, which was a problem for some people because the only yeah, way the to fix it... People who want to make phone to... calls... Yeah, was to restore to the device, and people couldn't necessarily restore to the device without shutting off uh, Find My Phone service, um, which they couldn't do because the device was broken. So I, if you're talking about stories, and, like, you know, obviously we're in the tech space, um, so this was, this was... For you. Yeah. <laughs> I need to shut the they can, fuck up. They, they can hear it. Yeah, they're going to tell me to hold it differently. Um, no, this, be, this became a huge story in three seconds and then was done. But it's much more concerning that something like this... But is it? I completely disagree. Because whereas I'm like, no, they fucking broke my phone. I sat down and my phone looks different than it did before I sat down. That, for me, is a problem. When Apple releases... A, and this is a botched update. I will not... I'm not going to try and say that it's not. This is a major focus. But at the same time, they addressed it within an afternoon and said, our bad, we pulled the update. And then they released instructions on how to roll back mm -hmm. and said that they would have a fix in a couple of days, like iOS 8.0.2 would bring the same features that iOS 8.0.1 brought and not break your phone. I think that it's like, it's one of those cases of like, you know, everybody trips and it's not a case of, we designed a phone that will bend if you sit on it. It's a but case I don't, of I don't, we just I don't know if that's the up. case yet, though, with, with the bent phone. Just because a few people have put up a video doesn't mean, like, the conversation around it does not, in, uh, is no indication of the intensity of the issue, whereas uh, a problem with the software that will affect everyone with the device is. Oh, come and on. I, and, yes, they were, no, no, because they, they were able to handle it within... Within half an hour of the update being yeah. up, they 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 got it. Um, but you don't; these things shouldn't happen. Anyways, what? they shouldn't happen at this point. They shouldn't. They shouldn't. I agree, and I think it's. I think and it's, I've given it's sucky and crappy that it happens. But I think it's also this is the case of shit happens, and everybody's human. It's not. I feel like they're addressing it as quickly as possible. Also, speaking as someone who is deathly afraid of updating any kind of software ever. I feel like how many people up, how many people updated in the first half hour before they before they realized and were like oh shit yeah I, I, I saw that? That. no it's a yeah, yeah I I, come, I agree with you that it's not uh, disastrous but it's more problematic that your that your software development and Q and A system can't catch uh, an issue that on a variety of carriers shuts down cellular ability I get that they were able to stop it before it became a much bigger deal. But I'm saying right. if you're going to look at the, you know, the bad news that Apple got this week, long term, the fact that something like that can happen is I'd be paying more attention to Apple software updates um, and the reports of iOS crashing far more than iOS 7 than you know, people doing dumb things with phones. No, I disagree with completely because I think part of the reason they have an entire team of people dropping iPhones for eight months before they release it is because... Because you don't, like, everybody uses the phone differently. I feel like when it's an issue where it's like, like you say, it's, you're like, I don't understand how this could happen when you have a software development team. It's like it happens on a variety of different carriers. It's, like, it, it breaks your phone, essentially. Like you said, like people people can't turn off on my iPhone. People can't restore. Like, it basically is breaking their phone. Like, it's turning it into an iPod touch. 
like a super expensive iPod Touch. Oh, no, a really old iPod Touch because the newer ones can connect to the internet. <laughs> okay, so we're, you're going to continue to disagree. No, but I'm saying, that, I'm saying that that's a mistake that was just, it just happened. Like someone tripped. The phone bending thing is like, I don't know, like I was at CES one year and I saw a thing in the Lenovo booth where they had a laptop hooked up to like a hinge thing and it basically opened and closed the laptop like thousands of times over the course of whatever amount of time. And um, and I'm like, how did someone not try and like use a vice to bend the iPhone and figure out how many pounds of pressure it would take to like distort the frame? I'm sure. I'm sure they did. Like the okay, device doesn't get released without We're having issues nope. here. I, I think <laughs> this is this is this is syrup cast after dark here. Um, but so I think we can say we can agree on this. Uh, first of all, um, the iPhone six plus did a really good job of blending. <laughs> it withstood that held up super more well. than I've ever seen it. Like the 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 Samsung uh, Note three like blended instantly, mm-hmm. and that iPhone six plus hung in there like a champ. I was impressed too. I was impressed too. Ian and I watched it together, and I was like, oh, that's like taking forever. And then also, iPhone sold ten million units uh, in the first weekend of its availability. So I don't. You know, the good news comes with the bad news um, sometimes yeah. for Apple. But I, I want to talk now um, in <laughs> – this is kind of related to those sales numbers. Uh, we posted something this, this week that Samsung is accelerating the launch of the Note 4 essentially because everyone wants to buy the iPhone 6 Plus. Um, and is it, this is just a classic oh Samsung moment where they they just can't seem to. I honestly today break. feel like I've disagreed with every single thing that's come out of your mouth. Like I'm just like no disagree. First of all, I disagree with Samsung too. I'm like, why would you launch it early? I don't think. I think big phones have been around for long enough that nobody is gonna. No one's sitting at home saying, I just wish I had a 5.5 inch device, and then it's like, oh look, the iPhone 6 Plus is out. No one's like. There's been, like, the phablet market is well established. I don't think anybody, I don't think Samsung is losing sales to the iPhone. Um, so I'm going to pull up the quote people. right now. So, and I'm not, so. For those people who bought a Samsung, or bought, like, a Note two years ago because they were like, oh, I just love my iPhone, I just wish it was bigger. I don't know, I feel like Samsung is just, they're being very rash. I think I agree with you. I'm not saying it's a good idea, but I'm pretty sure it's obvious why they're doing it. They need they want to get their they device. They know. They specifically said we are doing this because the iPhone 6 Plus is now available. The positive like, reaction from consumers to those two Apple devices prompted us to launch yeah. the Note 4 earlier than was previously scheduled. Yeah. Samsung will be aggressive. So we're not disagreeing. We're <laughs> the Samsung official said that, and we both think that it's a really dumb idea. Or just simply because okay. when it comes to when it comes to device launches, and we are, you know, I think the storm, which we were talking about before, is the perfect example. Um, you there is a set amount of time that it takes to make a phone, mm-hmm. and you can put more people on it. It can take longer. You can't shorten the timeline. It's like two there's and a half. Like, years there's definitely like there's definitely like a floor of like how fast yes. you can do it. You can so, make it last as long as you want. You can put as many people as you want. But even if you have 3,000 people working on the same device, it's still going to take a minimum amount of time. I agree. Yes. And if, if only for the, the baseband level testing that has to come with radio-enabled devices to make sure that things like the 8.0.1 release don't happen. So basically what they're saying is the hardware is done. The software is probably mostly done. 
and we're getting rid of, of the period in which we catch bugs and issues to get this. I thing don't think so. Well, th yes. Who sent this phone at IFA like two weeks ago? It was scheduled to go. Was it okay? This is a part that I'm hazy on, and I, I think I'm hazy on it because it's different every time. But were they going to launch in South Korea before anywhere else, and then launch globally, or were they going to launch in South Korea and globally, like at the same time? Uh, I, I know. All I know is that it was scheduled for global release in October. Yeah. So. It is. And I wrote that in that post. <laughs> it is very unlikely that with that scheduled release, they had gold software ready to go and they're sitting on it for that period of time. Yeah, I disagree because, again, surprise, I disagree because I feel like if they were going global at the same time, they, they're they ready. Like, you don't do a global launch unless you're confident. I feel like you're more likely to do, like, oh, we'll just do it in this country um, or that, like these two markets before we do it everywhere else. Well, I feel like they have the units, they have the production volume, their software is good to go. No, the, but the the software is the last thing. The, the 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 production of devices is different than having the. I wish Daniel was here because he he played with it, right? Uh, he... yes, he did. He did play with it, but it's it's yeah, it's it's, it's the phones aren't made that way. A, a month before the devices release, it's there's probably tweaks still being done. Not be the name of the podcast. I wish Daniel was here. <laughs> uh, Daddy, come home is the name of the podcast. <laughs> This week, okay. So, please don't leave us. Can we? Can we? Let's move on because there's more Samsung news. Um, I only have this much wine left, so. Oh well, we only have a little bit more news left, and then apps of the week, and then we can we can put this one in the can. But uh, Samsung, um, in addition to accelerating the launch of the Note 4, um, has I know I know also moved 500 software engineers. Uh, from its uh, mobile division to increase synergies uh, for the Tizen platform. Tizen. Tizen. It's Tizen. Tizen. Um, um, I am puzzled, but at the same time, I know how big Samsung is. If you've ever been to Samsung's like offices or factories in South Korea, like they own the town, like the shopping centers, like the buildings, the hotels, the airports, like everything. It's just Samsung. Samsung everything. It's just Sometimes the, they own airports. It's bananas. Yeah, they had Heathrow. Heathrow. They had, like, that whole terminal there. But anyway, it's just, like, it's crazy. It's, like, Samsung everything um, because they're so big and they have so much money. So I think moving 500 Tizen engineers from mobile is, one, not a huge loss for mobile because no one gives a shit about Tizen on mobile and no one cares about it. And, two, I think that Tizen belongs on those platforms they're talking about, those Internet of Things platforms. Like, I remember, I wish I wish that the Gear 2 and the Gear 2 Neo ran on Android, and I wish that the Gear Fit ran on Tizen. Because the, tier, the Gear Fit runs on, like, an embedded OS, right? It's, like, um, this rando OS that, like, there's no apps for it, and, yeah, it's, like, it's an embedded OS that's, like, so that they can make it last forever and, and all that kind of crack. But um, that's what I wish. In, in my perfect world, in Janetopia... <laughs> The Gear Fit or the Gear Two Neo and the Gear and the Gear Two, the regular Gear Two, run on Android, and the Gear Fit runs on Tizen. And then every other Internet of Things device and TV and whatever that Samsung develops should run on Tizen. And Tizen should never be in anybody's pocket. So, do you think that this will have an an impact then, but not in mobile? Yeah, for sure. I think it can only be good for the Tizen platform. 
Um, and I want it to mean less ties in on mobile and more ties in on everything else where it belongs. Okay. I think does it belong there because Android <laughs> can talk to Android. I'm just spitballing here. What do you think? Point counterpoint with Jane. Uh, I think that if if it, if they can make ties in something that doesn't involve wearables or uh, phones in any way, and uh, IoT is where it's going to be at, or TVs or whatever, that's great, because it's never going to be a player in wearables. It's never going to be a player in mobile. Um, so if this is to refocus, those those synergies um, are essentially a, a platform pivot, great, because so far uh, this has just been a, a giant cluster cuss of promises and no deliverables. You can say clusterfuck. It's okay. I prefer Cluster Cuss, though. Shout out, Wes Anderson. (laughs) Okay, so moving on. um, In the uh, boner, take my money category, uh, it's been rumored that uh, Google's Motorola made... Are you serious? Don't be driving me mad. (laughs) (laughs) What? Boner, take my money for this piece of hardware. You don't think that the Moto X looks pretty? Uh, I think the Moto X looks pretty. I don't think that's the Nexus X or the Nexus 6. Oh my god, I just had like, I just had an epiphany. I just had like a penny dropping moment. Do you think they're calling it the Nexus X because it looks exactly like the Moto X and not because Nexus X sounds like Nexus X? I don't think that they're going to name it that because of... Nexus 6. We are so far off the reservation today. I don't even know... (laughs) I'm just saying, I'm just saying. So you're, you're, you're the ride or die... Nexus, Nexus fan, yeah. The right Nexus fan who has been stuffed, kicking and screaming into this HTC One M8 and Huawei's M2 taxi cab, and I'm not, I'm not hating the ride, but I do miss my Nexus for sure. So then, how do you not think that this that a a, a Nexus device made by Motorola, <sighs> that looks article. like the Moto X, is not a, a boner take? Loving the fact that it's made by Motorola. Motorola makes brilliant hardware. Uh, don't believe for a second that it can have a near 6-inch QHD display. just won't happen. Um, don't think we'll have 3 gigs of RAM. Probably we'll have a 13 megapixel camera. I can buy that. I can also buy the 3200 milliamp hour battery. I can buy that. You can sell me on that, but you can't sell me on 3 gigs of RAM and a 6-inch display for a Nexus phone. And the reason is because Google has one Nexus phone every year. They're not going to make a 6-inch device. It's going to be, I would say, 5.5 max. So you are you're you're calling BS on the rumors? Or? Oh yeah, like the, I have zero time for Nexus X, Nexus Six rumors because I think they're all bullshit. Okay, well then, then and talk I will to you about... eat my hat if there's a six-inch Nexus device this time next month. I okay, we're so we're gonna hold you to that. We didn't hold. Oh yeah, you to I'll, I, yep, I'll do it. Standing in line for the passport review. Um, <laughs> but so talk to me then about the hypothetical, like what. If, if you don't if you don't buy this, tell me about what you think that Nexus device is going to look like, and then tell me if you would want uh like what do you want in a Motorola made device? Um, I don't think it, I the thing is, is that I really enjoy the aesthetic of Motorola devices like the the Moto X, Moto G. I think they're both gorgeous devices. I think they would go with something that's so like like it's also important to remember that this article and we'll link to it so you guys can read it. This picture, and we say it here, it's a render. Like, this is, someone said that it's going to look, it's going to be in my Motorola, and that it will be based on a real device, whatever that means. 
And then someone made a render of this phone and made it look like the Moto X. So this is like, I feel like this is completely baseless. I'm yeah, like, it's, it's a, a, well, it's a friend told a friend told a friend, purple monkey dishwasher. It's um, a friend told a friend told a friend that it would look like a phone that exists already, and someone decided that that phone was, so I would much rather see it look like, like the Moto G, which is very slightly different. But um, and I think that's more likely, given the Moto G is the more affordable choice, and Moto X is like a very high-end flagship. Okay. So I'm you're. So I'm thinking Moto X specs in a Moto G chassis. Is that is that re, is that really unreasonable? Because they've got to make it. I don't know. We'll see. I think I think it's think? I think it's reasonable. I'm I, I'm excited to see it in in whatever kind of Moto style. But you know, this is the kind of you know I've been playing with the I'm holding up the and you probably heard it vibrating a few times because I kept turning it off improperly. Yeah, uh, we're, we're my ATC 1M8. So I've been. Goofing around with Android for a while now, just to get my 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 um, my my giant palms and small fingers used to the idea of uh, larger smartphones in preparation for me probably sucking it down and paying for an iPhone six. And you know, as there are things that I've been enjoying about Android, and then there are things that I have not been enjoying about Android, which we we talked about a bit last week. But all your problems, and I think this is interesting because you and I started using the M8 almost on the same day. Yes. I, except I'm using a version flashed with stock Android, and you're using mm-hmm. the version that has HTC Sense UI on top yes. of it. And and, and my one M8 thing, yeah, and my one M8 thing. Google Kool Aid. You gotta you gotta go all Google all the time. Otherwise, you're gonna have your experience, which is icky. Yes, but so which is why when I see this, even if you are calling BS on on the rumor of what this Nexus device will look like, I pay attention to it because I'm excited to see. Um, what Motorola and Google are. Oh, me too, me too. And I know that this is like a, this is like a last. This isn't. We're not going to see this again because it's got the whole Motorola Lenovo thing going on. And like you like the BlackBerry thing. This is kind of. This is a, I guess, like a, failover from. From days gone by, um, yeah. when it's- Motorola and Google. Same company and working together and everything was beautiful and there were roses and boxes of chocolates and stuff and I feel like this is going to be probably one of the most interesting Nexus devices we've seen but we will not see another device like it just because after this Motorola is going to ride off into the sunset with Lenovo so yeah we'll it's a last hurrah and I'm you know it's been it's as we said like this thing's got to be in in the works for two years and I I, I want to know if it's if it's uh, I, it, it has my interest and my attention now. Um, okay, so moving on to something, a piece of news that caught my attention in the exact opposite way. Um, Stats Canada is saying that the cost of telephone service in Canada rose 7.6% uh, year over year, and that is um, so high above inflation um, that it just it breaks my heart. Um, and we, I, I want you to talk about week. this because, as a recent immigrant to Canada, I have very little, I guess, background experience to go on with this. Um, but seriously, like you guys get fucking robbed. Yes. Well, you know, um, as we talked about in the post, there, you know, the big three controlling ninety percent of the subscribers in Canada. Hmm. Um, you know, the the new entrants have not only shrunk, but have failed to really grab any serious market share. Um, so for the for them to be able to suck more revenues and profits and for us to be paying more, 
you know, and this is something where Daniel being here would provide the counterpoint of, you know, well, you know, contracts have been shaved by a year and it, uh, services yeah, increased. Yeah, contracts have been shaved by a year and then people who are going to buy the iPhone are being told, oh, you have to upgrade to our share plus family friends plan and share all, like, it's just, I don't know. I, yeah, I got that call. Land, like, there are times when we, like, when we write about the carriers that I want to sit you guys down and be like, gather around and I will tell you a tale of a place where this doesn't happen. <laughs> because, yeah, I just, it boggles my mind. And why why does it not happen in Ireland? Because it's regulated or because it's not there's... Even Ireland, it's, I think it's it's like a Europe-wide thing. Um, one is regulation. I know in the UK there's like, there's, and it's a relatively recent thing in the UK where they've put like a, a ceiling on the price that you can charge people for roaming and that kind of stuff within Europe. And as as a result, many carriers are saying, hey, we're going to give you the best deal for roaming in any country in the world. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, it's super competitive. And I feel like in Canada, competitive means we're going to charge the same as the other companies so that people don't pick them over us. Whereas in the UK and Ireland, it's it's more of, Let's see how little we can charge because we know that's what's going to get people on board. And I, I just I miss that. Yeah, and so this is a situation where I'm hoping the CRTC stops trying to regulate Netflix in Canada like, and focuses on the, the pertinent issues that customers care about, which is this. And I, I, yeah. we, we don't go too much farther into this because it's, it's just another, it's just another it's kind of like... Cost. Yeah, it's a whole other podcast, and I know Daniel will want to weigh in. And it's something that we, I think maybe we have to dedicate a whole podcast to to really breaking down how the telcos operate in Canada and what the differences are for us uh, living here, trapped in this beautiful, vast, amazing country, um, and you know, stuck with the stuck with a situation that most people around the world um, don't deal with. You know, Daniel, Daniel said before on podcast pass. Just because it's slightly better than the way that the American system is doesn't mean that it's good. Um, so <laughs> brings us very handily to our last one, which is the Bell and Rogers fastest mobile service in Canada study from PC Mag. PC Mag, yeah. shout out to uh, Sasha. Yeah, you beautiful um, man. He, He's amazing. He drew the longest straw, and I think traveled around Canada <laughs> testing network speeds, <laughs> and uh, the, the results I guess are in. Um, and if you don't know, PC Mag does like amazing network. Like, they're so thorough in, in their tests of this yeah. type of stuff. So um, I would trust them before um, other independent studies. And they basically found that uh, of the of the big uh, three, it's Bell and Rogers. Um, but specifically, I'm just looking here, the Bell's average national upload speeds were 45% higher than Rogers, which is crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. So... Shoutouts to Bell. I'm a Rogers customer. Um, my condolences. Back back in the day, it was, you guys came. You guys, you did. You guys did well in this thing. Yeah. Well, we did. We did okay. You know, we're strong number two. Strong number two. Go Rogers. Um, but uh, I'm just. I couldn't believe. Uh, it was, well, it's, I guess it was, as everyone expected, Telus kind of lagged behind. But uh, yeah. the, to the extent, though, considering that they also share. Um, part of their networks. With I, Bell. The disparity, like if you told me the top two were Bell and Telus, I'd be like, get that. Or that the bottom two were Bell and Telus, I'd get that. But for uh, Bell and Rogers to be the top two and Bell to be just 
until it's in, in certain situations. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's just I don't I don't get what's going what's going on there, and maybe maybe we can dig a little deeper, talk to some people, and figure out if there's uh, technical issues with that, yeah. or if uh, if just. For me, the most interesting thing is going to be like wind and Veotron, which are both like we talked last week about wind being in like a huge transitionary phase um, or transitional phase, if you want to use the actual word in the dictionary. But um, mm-hmm. I just, I think Donnelly mentioned it. Like it will be super interesting to see where this this same study, like see the numbers like this time next year and see what it's like for 2015. Because right now, and I know this is like competition in Canada, like the big three, like. You guys have this whole like rebellious thing where you're like, oh, it's all the same. Um, but I'm really excited to see where those smaller but not yet new entrants can can take it. Yeah, and then, so it, I think you're raising a great point. This is not a final word at all. This is no, no, no. especially when it comes to uh, telco service. It is constantly evolving, constantly yeah, changing. Yeah, it's like you uh, should think of it as like taking the pulse and not not like this is the be all and end all. It's, it's definitely like oh, let's check in and see see what the deal is. Yeah. Changing yeah. so so fast. In September 2014, if you want to be shooting data around, uh, Bell and Rogers are the places to be doing it. But that you know by January of next year, it could be a completely different thing. So okay, so that's that's all the that's all the the news of the week. Um, so let's let's transition to our apps of the week, uh, which oh, after week. last week's app explosion, where we had just found we so just many other apps, gave you a ton of apps to download. We actually found a few more. So Jane, what was your app of the week? Sunrise is an awesome calendar app um, that integrates with a whole bunch of other apps like um, last week specifically, which is what compelled, what, that was what made me, was like, hey, I should check this out, was that they added an integration for push notifications for your Google Calendar so you don't have to wait for them to sync, and then also organizational apps like Todoist and Trello. So they, it's basically like this kind of like this hub of what's going on in your life at the moment, so you know, you know you've got like different kind of meetings and stuff, but it's basically a way, 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 way better experience than the, just the stock Google Calendar. Yeah, and it looks really pretty too, doesn't it? Yeah, well, but I don't really care about that, but, um, but yeah, no, it's definitely, it's like this awesome organization for, if you're like, if you get off on like organizing and like to-do lists and everything, like, it's awesome. What about you? What are you, what are you downloading? Uh, my app of the week, and it's still downloading because it won't stop downloading or updating because it's it's broken. It's a it's a sack of shit. Is uh, the Destiny companion app that comes? Oh. Uh, so Destiny, if you don't know, is uh, a giant video game release. If you live uh, under a rock at the bottom yeah. of the sea on another yeah. planet. Well, maybe maybe phone people aren't necessarily game people. You know, we got to get our game podcast going. But so uh, the makers of Halo uh, no longer make Halo; they make Destiny, and they decided. Um, that instead of putting a story in their game, uh, they were going to put little text cards of information in a mobile app so that if you wanted to know what was going on in while oh, you're so grinding sort of like out... The, um, the GTA 5 companion app where you can be at work and like feeding your dog in GTA 5, and it's like a little side game. Yes, with the exception... Yeah, so the exception there is, like I think the GTA example is really good because... Um, and then I'm also thinking, I think, uh, there's another Xbox game, uh, Titanfall, that had a really cool companion app. Uh, those are companion apps that work with the game and, and have cool and interesting things. Uh, the Destiny app is something that you basically need to download because they didn't put that information in the game. So if you want to know what's going on, they're basically forcing you to download the app, and, um, which is, which is annoying and, and poorly integrated. But then the bigger problem 
is that the app doesn't work very well at all. It's really slow. So it's, is this your crap of the week and not your app of the week and that you're like, oh, this is, like, are you, are you complaining or are you saying that people who download it? Yeah, so don't, 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 don't download it. I'm, I'm talking about it too. Yeah, don't, it, I think you get like 500 gold in the game to, if you download it and it's not worth it. Or download it, connect it. So I have a question. Um, is Destiny, like, not a huge gamer, um, more stick to the real-time strategy games on PC? Destiny, <laughs> is it a game that you would buy for your 10-year-old son who wouldn't have a smartphone and wouldn't be able to download the app? Or is it, a, like, a super violent game? Or, like, what is it? Like, I have not... The entire game is about building uh, a cosmonaut of death to go out in the solar system and shoot things in the head to get better guns. So, Doug the Dad, would you buy it for, like, your kid? Or, like, what, what I'm asking is that if someone doesn't have a smartphone and they somehow have Destiny, is this going to be a problem for them playing the game? Uh, no, it's, it's, no, well, I think a lot of people who play first-person shooters, especially a first-person shooter that's an MMO, don't care about the story at all. Um, but for those who do, I think I, my, my issue there was more that, like, the weird design choice, like, to drive mobile installations and get people locked in and, and things like that, uh, or maybe they offloaded a bunch of things that they didn't have time to get in the game to a mobile app is, is really weird. Um, yeah. In terms of games for kids, I think we talked about it last week. The perfect game is Minecraft. It's, it's okay. digital Legos, right? Definitely. Uh, you were going to say kit and taxi. Sorry. It was not so yeah, if if I if, God forbid somehow I found myself becoming a father, um, <laughs> I would probably look to play Minecraft with my kid, not Destiny. So no no companion app needed for that. I hate that. Thank you. No, I do I do need a I do need a, a companion app to make a baby though. <laughs> I, I need, was gonna say having no companions. Um, <laughs> all right, so that was the the Jane and Douglas Jane and Doug show. Um, before we go, we always got to do it. I lo- I love it. So many oh, more oh my god, can I do it? Can I please? Can I please do it? Yeah, let's, let's hit some shout-outs. Can I please shout-out to John, who hates shout-outs? Really? Yeah, he was like, he says, he says we're immature. Um, and that we shouldn't well, have shout-outs. We shouldn't have shout-outs shout outs, because it's, it, it ruins the experience. Well, John, I think it's not to be inflammatory or anything, but I love our shout-outs, and I love our readers, and I love that you are a reader. And I would like to recognize that you're a reader by giving you a shout-out on the podcast. Yeah, there's a lot of meta-humor there. Um, I think the weird thing is, like, true story, the reason why we started doing a podcast was so that we could shout-out people. It's only for that reason. So, no, yeah. but also the, the point of the shout-out is that, like, because we're new at this and the podcast is, is very new still, like, we're only in episode 14, um, we're still, like, learning as we go. And a lot of the people we give shout-outs to are people who gave feedback the last week and said, hey, like... Jane, you were sitting way off center. Like, Doug, you can't go to the bathroom in the middle of the podcast. Like, that kind of stuff. So we're going to say, like, shout out, you know, thanks for that. Um, we'll keep that in mind and we'll, we'll get it going. Um, shout out Naturalist, who wants us to record in a swimming pool. Uh, yeah, so you know, shout, out, uh, shout out Raise81. Um, we are getting mics. Uh, we're, we're doing this. Uh, no one's in the office today, so we're, we're doing it over... Uh, the Google Hangout, so the audio yeah. should be much better. But when we when we are in person, we're exciting we're, times. We're Daniel emailed me today and said the mics are arriving tomorrow, so I'm gonna sign for that package. So next week we should have a new whole audio scenario for you guys to criticize. And yeah, and then then we'll just work on that echo after that. Um, <laughs> shout out to uh, Jason Vandelar, still have a great name. Uh, really excited about what's going on with Wind. Uh, super cool. 
Um, shout out to Gwydion JHR. Sorry, dude. Maybe next time you can tell me how to pronounce your name so I can give you a better shout out. Um, we try to keep it real with the Canadian content. Obviously, we if if you haven't seen it yet. We did so much BlackBerry stuff this week. Like we we did more BlackBerry coverage than the rest of the tech sites in the world, um, uh, especially when it comes true. to word count. Very true. Um, Very so true. You we, guys are are wordy. We we uh, will keep the Canadian content up, and please keep giving us you know suggestions of what's important to you uh, and and what you want to see. What do you want us talking about more? Different segments on the show. We kind of tried a little bit different format with a a topic up front, and then some news at the back end. Let us know what you think. Uh, shout out Jeff Bassard. Jeff Bassard um, in the house. Best, best icon ever. Fucking love that guy. Um, yeah. And his deadly tattoo. Yeah, Qantas, we're, we're going to get egg packaging. Um, um, so. Unorthodox accused you and Daniel of being sexist and putting baby in the corner, essentially. I want to say that that didn't happen. Um, interestingly enough, last week... Douglas was actually, like, on the opposite of the table, and I was borderline sitting on Daniel's lap. And yeah. had we, and we, we played back the audio, and we were like, what the fuck happened there? So we we're hoping no it will be amplified by the, by the microphones. Um, yeah, I, I think we forgot. Our, problem. Our, our microphone didn't have the Irish setting on, so it just it didn't, didn't record any audio. So it was just like, um, not too far, and only permanent residency. Yeah, but we're, we're trying to... Passport. So we're yeah. getting better. Um, next week we'll be back with uh, Mr. Bader, uh, fresh from New York. Um, so yeah, g- give us a shout out in the comments. Let us know what you want to see, and we'll see you next week. Yeah. Good pod. Doug. Bye guys. Bye. Good pod. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 